When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the BWI Daily Edition, we're closing our look at Penn State and Purdue with a stock up, stock down of the Penn State defensive players and their performance on Thursday night. We've watched the film. It's over at bluewhiteillustrated.com, a film review and my notes. But today, we're going to give you the players that stood out both good and bad for the Nittany Lions on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Happy Labor Day. Now, there's been a whole bunch of stuff that has happened over the last couple of days uh, since Penn State football played Purdue. Apparently, we're expanding the college football playoff, amongst other things. We're going to get to some of that stuff eventually here on the show. But our main focus, as always, is the Nittany Lions and getting you up to speed with what happened during the game. Give you a little bit of deeper dive. That's what I do. That's what I'm comfortable with. So we're giving you that. Friday, we had, the, we had the offense, the players who had stock up, stock down. Check that out. And, of course, uh, today on the show, we're going to wrap that up looking at the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned in the introduction, bluewhiteillustrated.com. Sign up for $1. Get 12 months of insider access. That can uh, give you all the information, the deep dive on the film review. And I went, I went real deep when it comes to the Penn State defense because Manny Diaz and his scheme, it's all brand new. So there's a lot of ground to cover. We're not going to cover everything because that's impossible. I would, I would be here for a month showing you everything. So what we're going to, so we're going to go piece by piece throughout the season, but that's at bluewhiteillustrated.com. Last thing before we get into the stock up and stock down players, uh, I need you to help me out here. We set a goal after the live show, 500 likes for the video. We got to 1,000. Now, this is not directly after one of the craziest games for an opener in a Penn State has had to a season since, well, honestly, the last two have been nuts. But we can absolutely get to 500 for this video. So give this video 500 likes, help grow the channel. That's you putting in some work here for the BWI Daily, which I super appreciate. And it's free. Just hit the like button. And if you sign up for the Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, it's all costing you exactly $1. Okay, enough jibber-jabber. Let's get to the show. Stock up players on defense. Really interesting performance. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. But Joey Porter Jr. and Chop Robinson separated themselves as the clear-cut best players on the field for Penn State football on uh, Thursday. P.J. Mustford, Jonathan Sutherland, Keaton Ellis. A little more low profile in their stock up. But we're going to get to those guys here on the show as well. And I want to start there in the middle because PJ Mustafer, it's not necessarily that he was a hugely impactful player, but it's the fact that he was out there for the number of snaps that he was and he looked pretty good. Now, there's some caveats here 48 total snaps. It's about half the snaps in the game. That's good coming off that injury that he sustained last year, that ACL. Uh, he was good in run defense. He was uh, looked solid, looked like he wasn't giving up ground, didn't look like he had any structural weaknesses, didn't look like a, a tower that only had supports on one side. 
but only 12 defensive run snaps and it's Purdue's defensive line. A good test out of the gate, right? But still not going to be the hardest test he faces this year. So uh, Penn State gets out of that with PJ Must for playing and playing well when he was asked to do the things he was asked to do. One pass rushing pressure. I've never really looked at PJ as a pass rushing specialist as a defensive tackle. He's really developed into that nose tackle, one tech sort of player. But he flashed a little bit. Penn State's defense loves to stunt. They love to twist. They love to get people and change gaps. And when he did that a couple of times, he was able to get to the quarterback or at least get on the edge of a guard and push the pocket. Those are all really good things. But overall, in totality, a lot of empty rushes there. But that's we're not really looking at him to provide that stuff. And more on that in just a little bit. But P.J. Musfer coming up with some big plays. Uh, for Penn State in an understated sense. Also understated, uh, a little bit at least, is Keaton Ellis. Keaton Ellis played a good game from the secondary position. He was in and out. Penn State played up to four safeties at one point, uh, but he was making breaks on the ball. He was jumping routes for the Nittany Lions. All that's very good, and getting that so early in the season uh, from a multitude of players in the secondary, especially when it wasn't a very clean game overall from all of the Nittany Lions. Uh, Sutherland played well. There's That is a, a really good sign for the Nittany Lions that they have depth and dependability like we expected. He was who we thought he was. That's really what it was, is he didn't make a lot of mental mistakes. I don't think he really made any. And if you check out the film review over at Blue White Illustrated, a lot of this is is coming out of that. Late in the game, once Penn State realized Aiden O'Connell's never holding onto the football, that's just they're not going to do that this game. The Penn State secondary started jumping on routes. They started attacking underneath coverage, and Ellis got his hands on a couple of footballs. Didn't come up with an interception, uh, but good play from him. Another guy, and and here is a big one: Jonathan Sutherland. Jonathan Sutherland was good in run defense. He uh, had some up and down plays in pass coverage, but overall. For what people were expecting of him, Jonathan Sutherland played well on uh, Thursday night. Again, not a whole lot of running from Purdue, but when they were able to bounce plays and when they were able to, to get Penn State in a couple of bad situations, Sutherland wasn't the primary cause of concern or problem in those situations. A couple of times, uh, but nothing beyond the standard for a linebacker playing in the flat who has to defend against the RPO, there wasn't anything beyond that. So solid and run defense, played his coverage as well. I think he's settling into that position. Um, but it's not going to be just Sutherland there. Dom DeLuca had some snaps there and played well. They obviously went to four safety looks, two slot corners. They're much more diverse than Penn State has been over the last couple of years where it's very much been Three linebackers, then you bring on a nickel corner. Now it's much more mix and match, especially, again, against Purdue when you have so many four receiver sets, three receiver sets, and they're spreading the field out. So good work for Jonathan Sutherland. There's more to learn, and we're going to see Penn State, I believe, use much more in the sub-package variety uh, in the coming weeks and, and other times against other opponents. This defense, I do really believe, is going to do a lot of different various and varying things for the season because they have so many players they can put in different positions. Now, number two on our list, and this is a little bit more linear than before than, than last week is chop Robinson. Chop Robinson played very well during his debut 
was a pass rushing problem for the Nittany Lions and was able to get to the quarterback several times, especially in that obvious final play of the game where he was able to get a hit on the quarterback and force Aiden O'Connell to give up the game just so he didn't take a sack. But it wasn't just that. There were several other plays where either indirectly or directly Robinson was causing pressure on O'Connell that either forced the throw uh, for an incompletion or hurried the throw and made it um, you know, off target where it was a harder catch for the receiver. So that pressure that Penn State was giving O'Connell, even when it wasn't getting there, was affecting him. It affected the game plan. And it's surprising because Penn State had very little proven on the edge coming into the game, but Manny Diaz's reputation, there was enough to back that up, especially late in the game as O'Connell had to hold on to the football more and more and getting to some deeper drops and some bigger decisions. Job Robinson was able to put some pressure on the quarterback and Penn State desperately needs one of those guys on the defensive line to step up and be the leader. And right now it looks like he's going to be that guy. Uh, there's still plenty of time for Adisa Isaac and and deny Dennis Sutton to get into that rotation. But as of now, Chop Robinson looks like the real deal coming out of the gate. His explosiveness we saw on film from high school uh, is still there. He has played. He's gotten stronger, I think, through contact. That was another thing that was a separator amongst him and the other Penn State defensive linemen was when you're able to get on the edge of a of a lineman, when you're not coming straight down the middle either a bull rush or just a bad rush, he was creating problems consistently for the blockers where they couldn't get a clean hand on him. And when they did, or even when they came into contact, he had the strength to keep his position and keep his momentum going forward. Those are great signs for a guy who's a little bit undersized for the position as he grows into it or as Penn State decides to use him in different ways. I think his versatility is going to stand out and his pass rushing prowess these are things that are going to improve throughout the season. I don't I don't think this is the high watermark based on what I've seen and his abilities. Next up, and this is our number one player, Joey Porter Jr., always going to be polarizing. This is always going to be a polarizing conversation. He allowed 66 yards, which led the team, but he was targeted 14 times, which was by far the most on the team. He allowed as many receptions as he got pass breakups. That's insane. That is a crazy amount of getting your hands on the football uh, PFF. They, they said on a tweet that ties the record for the most single pass breakups in one game since 2014. That is a gaudy amount of getting your hand on the football struggled a little bit early in single coverage. I think everyone's aware of that, but as the game went on again, as, as Penn state realized they're not running any double moves, they're just quick game, go routes, very simple things so they can get open maybe a couple ins and a couple dig routes to get some yardage in critical situations. They were not holding onto the football. Joey Porter Jr. basically started running routes for the receiver. Uh, there was one play in particular at the beginning of the game with his near interception where that's entirely on him. He was in a different coverage and he read what the quarterback was doing, broke off his assignment and nearly got a pick six. Now, bad luck and some bad ball skills maybe don't catch it with your face uh, made it so that that was a reception, but from a mental processing standpoint and a reaction standpoint, those are the important things that stay consistent. It's not an issue of he can't do it. He's showing he can do it. Man coverage, locking down receivers. I still think in zone and especially off zone, he's got some work to do, but in man coverage, his, his giant long arms are all showing are showing up. And I understand that the pass 
interference calls are still there. But I, I could do an entire separate video on that particular play and how because it's a back shoulder throw, it looks worse than it is, but you can always call that if you want to. And with Joey Porter Jr., very physical, you're going to call it because that's that's what we're doing now. Uh, don't have a problem with it either way, but I don't think it's as egregious as the as this consistent narrative about him persists. Okay, so we've gone through the stock up players. Now let's get to the stock down players. But before we do that, I want to tell you about a new sponsor of the show. That is Rogue Shop. A husband and wife outfit. Uh, Mr. Rogue and his wife, Char, craft cannabis or cannabis farmers who specialize in small batch sustainable plant medicine, holistic type of small business. They are they farm it themselves. They grow it all themselves. They do everything by hand. If you order something from Rogue Shop, I wish I had it with me. I don't have it right here, but Char sends a note with instructions. If you're new, I was new when I was trying out their products. I've never had any of this, never done any of this stuff before, and they are super helpful. Uh, they gave me a call and talked me through all of the products on the website to explain what they do, what's in them, and what the effects are going to be. And this is not just about, they do have Delta 9 products, they have Delta 8 products, uh, they're all lab tested, they're lab quality, uh, but it's not just about that. Their real goal is holistic healing. It is about making your life better if you suffer from stress, insomnia, or pain. And I'll tell you, uh, staying up till two in the morning, watching film, breaking all this down to talk to you about it. I love doing all these things, but I have not slept in three days. So when my sleep cycle comes, I want to be able to fall asleep and stay asleep. And that's what they hooked me up with. They're Delta nine gummies. Take them right before bed. Sleep throughout the night. Uh, if you have pain, if you're uh, chronically sitting and staring at screens and you have stress or anxiety, some of these things will help alleviate those problems and change your life. That's what they're all about. Uh, you know, Richard is a, is a former uh, a military member. All He's experienced those sort of things in his own life personally, and he wants to help with all that stuff. So check out rogueshop.com, and you can use the promo code. It fits better when there's two of us here on the show, but uh, right here on my forehead, rogueshop.com, promo code BWI. So check out rogueshop.com, promo code BWI. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so let's get to the stock down players. And I hate doing this so much. This hurts me. And we have Curtis Jacobs at the top of our list. Denied Dennis Sutton, Hakeem Beeman, and I'm cheating here. For four and five, we're putting the Mike linebackers together. Part of this list and part of this list uh, with the offensive players is, is about your expectation of a player coming into the game as much as it is how they performed individually. And deny Dennis Sutton probably is, should be lower on this list as I'm looking at it. But I assume most people were not expecting a lot of the middle linebackers, but there were a lot of people expecting a lot of deny Dennis Sutton. And I'm not saying, I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with the way Denai played in the game. He will get to the numbers right now. 
because they weren't really all that uh, all that illuminating because he was only on the field for nine snaps, seven pass rushes, zero pressures. So when he was on the field, there was not a lot of impact, but he was on the field for nine snaps. How are you supposed to do much of anything in in those situations? So a quiet first game for Denai. And that's okay because Penn State was able to get pressure and simulate pressure, most importantly, with their front seven. So we they don't need to have just one player leading them. They don't need to have one superstar out there all the time. And Chop Robinson, on the flip side, took care of that for the Nittany Lions. So there's more time now for Dennis Sutton to really round into form, get used to the college football level, because we've established one of these defensive ends is going to be the, you know, has to at least in every game be a part of the mix. So week one, it was the, it was uh, Chop Robinson. Week two, it might be two or three of them. It's Ohio. Going down to Auburn, three weeks into the season. Can, can two of them step up and be consistent pressure makers when Penn State is going into zone or all-out pressures? You get one-on-one opportunities. And it's not just about the linebackers who are up against the running backs or the tight ends. Sometimes you get a tight end if you're the defensive, the edge rusher, just the way the blocking scheme works. You need to be able to make those guys pay for blocking you with not an offensive lineman. And in those situations, deny he only had seven opportunities. Nothing came of it. This is not to say he's bad. This is a tiny, like kind of like Nick Singleton, tiny stock down. We're not freaking out. We're just pointing these things out because they're building the story of the season. Now, story of the season were those middle linebackers. This was a bit of a struggle against a pass-happy team. It was not a good situation for guys who their skills are more downhill. Three combined missed tackles between the two of them. Gap issues, which we get into in the Penn State film review of the defense. And then Elsden had some struggles in coverage where He's he's got to be quicker on the diagnostics and the triggering in coverage. He can't settle into a zone. Brent Prize scheme, you were able to kind of settle into a zone. It's it's called a drop zone. This you got to be a little more active. You got to see guys coming. You got to pick up crossers, and that was a little slow for these guys. Kobe King looked a little bit lost at times. the The defensive front, I don't know that it functioned perfectly for the first game, but this is a brand new defense and players are still learning that middle linebacker position struggled. I, I hesitate to say they struggled to get people into position because it's such a chaotic system where many Diaz explains it simply of like, we're a one gap system. Okay. But what gap is somebody supposed to have? That's the magic of it. And in week one, I, I, I'm still learning the system too. I can't tell you, oh, this guy made a huge mistake here. I can say, well, this isn't right. There are three players in this gap. That's incorrect. And is that on the linebackers? Is that on the Mike linebacker for not getting everyone in a position? Or is that on a physical error of a guy trying to get from the B gap and he overshoots and goes, you know, one gap too far? All those things are going to sort themselves out. But from a run defense perspective, there's a lot of room to improve. And as James Franklin said in his post-game press conference, it's better to do that when you win a game. You get valuable game footage to show the players, here's what happened. We need you to correct this. We've been telling you about this. This is what happens when you don't. Um, And then from that perspective, some of the players that were supposed to make an impact this game and didn't quite get there, uh, all of this rolls into we can just copy and paste for Hakeem Beeman. Pressure from the defensive tackles was not really a thing. 
There was there was not any tangible pressure from the defensive tackles coming against Purdue. Part of that is that Purdue did not hold on to the football. Aiden O'Connell held on the ball for 2.29 seconds on average. That is lightning quick. Anything under 2.5 is fast. And that includes all his passes down the field as well. So the edge defenders weren't getting home. That's obvious. But in true passing situations where he held on to the ball or some of the times where he was, you know, reading it out or scrambling, the defensive tackles in general and Beeman specifically at that three technique where we were expecting pressure and we were expecting explosive run plays, disruptiveness, didn't quite get there in week one. Part of that is what we just talked about with the linebackers of learning the system. Uh, I think there's still some hesitation from these players, but it's it's not, I wouldn't say it's terrible at every level, but it's just enough where if you're supposed to be playing on the other side of the football and you're at the line of scrimmage or you're breaking when the running back is getting the line of scrimmage, that allows them to get into gaps you're creating. So this this defense is creating a gap to be filled by somebody, whether it's a stunting player or a linebacker, and that linebacker or that other player has to get over there. They have to be in that gap, or else what you've done is you've created a, a fissure in your run defense. So some of the time, Beeman wasn't getting to his positions. Some of the times, he was just getting blocked out of the play. Um, so more to come from the defensive tackles. Some good from P.J. Mustafer, not so good middle of the road from Hakeem Beeman. And these are important things because Penn State has six defensive tackles. Not all of them can play. And this competition is going to continue of who's going to be on the football field at both that three technique and at that at that one technique. So Beeman played the majority of the snaps. I didn't see as much as I, I wanted to or or that was needed, I think. And I saved this one for last because I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I'll admit my biases. I like Curtis Jacobs. We've had him on the show. I think he is a, an exceptionally intelligent player. I enjoyed talking to him. I thought he struggled a little bit at the Will linebacker position on Thursday. And part of it was what we just talked about. He is the player that has to be explosive. He has to be the player that is locked in and confident and playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. His issues were not physical. He was not being bodied out of holes. He was able to get around uh, blocks. He was hard to block. But the situation was, if you're hard to block two yards downfield in this defense, that creates those gaps we're talking about. A couple of times I thought there might have been some mental errors where he's going to the wrong side of the play. But again, I'm learning this defense too. So I, I none of these players, when we say stock down, none of these players are like, you have to bench them. This is just, here is here were the issues with the run defense or with the coverage, and this is what they centered around. Um, and with Jacobs, I was expecting explosive on the other side of the line of scrimmage highlight plays. And there were times where he was caught on the wrong side of the line of scrimmage or on the wrong side of the formation. Uh, I think there were times where he was out of his gap. And when that happens, that creates touchdowns, that creates some spill plays to the outside that don't get cleaned up. But again, these are mental things with the defense that is brand new to these guys. And he has the role of being the playmaker. So everything could be set up for him, but he's also got to make sure that he's not running into a play action and voiding his zone. This is very complicated. This is a hard, I think this is a hard defense to do 
because you have to be right on run plays because if it's an RPO or a play action and you're screaming at the line of scrimmage, then all of a sudden there's an open window behind you and there's nothing you can do about it. So I, I actually don't mind the hesitation and I wouldn't even call it hesitation. I call it reading, but the process does have to be a little bit quicker. And part of that is learning the defense and being more comfortable with it. And the good news is I think all of that's going to come for these players for Beeman for Elsden and in a game where they're not playing a team that throws the ball 58 times. I think that's another thing that's going to be helpful for this team is that if they get a couple more cracks at the bat of, of, of running plays, the improvement might come there. They only got a couple of opportunities to show what they could do. One or two missed assignments by each individual player creates, you know, a, a systematic problem that is hard to sort out. But I think there's there's good teaching in this and that it'll improve over time. So that'll do it. I always hate ending on a down note, but I don't want to start on a down note either. I don't want to be a bummer here on your Labor Day. So that'll do it today for uh, our Stock Up, Stock Down on the BWI Daily Edition. Make sure you like the video, like I said before. And if you're listening over on the podcast podcast version, thank you. Subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff. We're growing like bananas here. And I don't know if bananas grow fast, but we're growing like fast-growing bananas. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like the video, subscribe on YouTube. We will be back tomorrow with uh, the BWI Daily Recruiting Show to update you on what's going on with players for the class of 23 and 24 as we get into the official visits during football season because the home opener, Beaver Stadium, is open on Saturday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.